Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is November the 24th, and our chapter for today is Titus chapter 3. Well, Paul is winding down his book, his letter, his epistle to Titus, his other son in the faith. As you know, he wrote two books to Timothy, and he begins chapter 3 the same way that he did 1 Timothy chapter 2, where he talks about how we are to live in the generation that we live in, whenever that is, wherever that is, under the authorities, the government that we are subject to. He says, remind them, that is, all of these who are in leadership and all of the church of Jesus, remind them to be subject, to be in obedience to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work. Now, there is a time for civil disobedience. There is a time when if we are asked to do something that's contrary and direct violation to the word of God, we have to do what we have to do to obey the Lord, obey God rather than man. But in the normal course of life, that's not going to be the case. Now, we might have to do some things that we don't want to do that we don't think is healthy or whatever the case is. We have to make a judgment about that. But the course of life is to be in subjection to government because whatever government that is, remember Paul was saying this under the iron fist of Rome. So it would not have been a democracy or a republic or some kind of parliamentary government. It was a dictatorship, and it was cruel and brutal. And Paul said, as much as you can, live in obedience to that, because all authority comes from God, wherever it is and wherever that's manifest. He said, be ready to always do good work. Again, he ended with this in the last chapter. This is so important that we remember that God saved us to be good. That's right. We don't even talk about that anymore because we're so wicked. We just think, well, it's all of grace. We don't need to be good. No, God saved us to be good. God saved us for good works. God saved us to do the right thing. God saved us and brought us into his kingdom, transferred us, according to the book of Colossians. He transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the son of his love, into a loving relationship. And so we need to be good. We need to be filled with good works. We're not to speak evil of anyone. We're to live peaceably. We need to be gentle, showing all humility to all men. And he says, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice in bitterness and envy and hateful and hating one another. Now think about that. That's the way Many in the church are living today. They're hateful. They are filled with envy, jealousy, following their own lust, living as mere lost people. But Paul reminded Titus to remind everybody else that when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, by the way, reminds us it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, 
but according to his mercy. That is, God withheld from us what we deserved, and by grace he gave us what we didn't deserve. By his mercy he saved us, he rescued us through the washing of polygenesia. That's the word, and if you read the commentary, I spoke of that, and you can go back and look at this word, how to pronounce it, what it means, and so forth. This is a word that's only used twice. It's used for creation, when God renews all things, when he makes all things new. And then it's talking about regeneration, that God truly gives us new life. He gives us a new beginning. He gives us a new heart. He gives us a new mind. He gives us a new mouth. God gives us a new thought process. Now, he gives it to us, but we have to receive it, and we have to discipline ourselves to walk in it. All of that comes by the grace and mercy of God. It's fascinating that God can take someone who is all of the things that we just mentioned, foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving, I mean, living for lust and immorality and pleasures and feeling good, just doing whatever, living in malice and all of these things, that God could take that kind of person and can absolutely change their life from the inside out, change their mindset. Give them a brand new language. When God saved me, I'm telling you, I had to learn a new vocabulary. I mean, I hate to tell you, but I just cursed a lot. I just cursed. I used filthy, bad words. And a lot of times I cussed and it didn't even make sense. I just throw a cuss word out. It, it makes no sense. Whatsoever. I hear people saying today all kinds of things, and I just thought that's not even good cussing. It doesn't even make sense. And I hear this on TV. I mean, people just blurt out something while they're talking, being interviewed on the news. They'll just come out with words, and you go, that word doesn't even fit here. What are you doing? Well, the reason is we're ignorant. We are idiotic. We're wrapped up in ourselves, and we're unschooled. We're agramatoi. We're not schooled. We're unlearned. We're foolish. We can't even carry on a conversation without cursing. That's the way a lost man lives. So a saved man doesn't need to talk like that. Why? Because we've been born again. We've been given a new mind, a new heart, a new mouth, a new way of life. And he says that the Holy Spirit has been poured out on us abundantly. In Jesus, we have all that we need. Don't say, I can't do that. Well, that's just the way I am. Well, God saved you so you don't have to be the way that you naturally are. I don't have to be the way that I naturally am. I'm sickening in my natural man. Only God can rescue us. And he says, we've been justified just as if we had never sinned. He declares us to be righteous, not because of our works, but by his grace. That's what the book of Romans is all about. It answers the question, how can a man be made right with God? Well, it's not by works of righteousness, which we do. It's by the grace of God that we're justified. It's by the grace of God that we're saved. And he says, not only that, but he's made us heirs according to the assurance of eternal life, the hope of eternal life. He said, this is a faithful saying. Maybe sometime you could just do a study when Paul says, this is a faithful saying and uses that. It's fascinating. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly. Isn't it amazing that Paul tells this young preacher, you got to say things over and over and over and over and over again. Why? Because that's the way we learn. Repetition is the mother of learning. And I hear preachers all the time. I talk with preachers. I am a preacher. I deal with this. And we're always looking for something new. We don't want to repeat ourselves. And this is why our people, one of the reasons why our people are ignorant. 
biblically illiterate because we don't teach them how to study the Word of God. We think we've got to come up with something new and novel all the time and come at it a different way. You see, some of the truths of God need to be talked about every week. They need to be talked about every month. They need to be talked about several times a year. Why? Because we need to hear it again. I love to tell the story for those who know it best. Why? Because they seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. And so he says, this is a faithful saying, and these things I want to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God, those who are believers, those who are born again, those who have been regenerated, should be careful, here he says it again, to maintain good works. Now, why does he keep on with this good work thing? Because somehow in our generation, and obviously it was then, People think, okay, I'm saved by grace. That's it. No, God saves you to be good. Now, your good works are not going to save you, but God saves us to be good. It's okay to tell your kids, be good now. You mind and behave. You behave yourself. That's a good thing. Why? Because children need to be reminded. Teenagers need to be reminded. Those who are in college and out in the workforce, they need to be reminded that if you're a child of God, you need to act like it. You need to live like it. And he said, these things you need to continue to teach. And he said, these things are good and profitable. They're advantageous. They're helpful. Because when we live good, godly, clean lives, we know that's not going to save us, but we know that that is what pleases God. If we love Jesus and he is our life, don't you want to do what pleases him? He said, but avoid foolish disputes genealogies, contentions, strivings about the law. You see, we get into all these questions. Well, I've got a question for you. And most of the time, those questions are some kind of controversial something. And all of that's good. But once you get the answer to it, don't just keep on dwelling on it and go ask somebody else so you can get another opinion so you can put that up against. Move on. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing up and categorizing, cutting straight the word of God, and quit going back and rehashing something over and over again. Clench that nail on the other side of the board and let it alone. And so he says, quit striving about that. But he said, now you need to reject a heretic. That's the word here. It's where we get our word heresy a divisive person. A heretic is a deviant. It's someone who always is trying to impose their opinion, and they're always trying to insinuate. They're always trying to cause doubt in someone's mind about the validity of someone's words. Reject a divisive man after the first and second admonition. Why would you do that? Because it doesn't matter how many times you tell a heretic They're going to keep on doing what they're doing. So you don't need to spend a lot of time with this. Now, I hear people do this, and I've seen it in my ministry over the years. People say, well, we just need to continue. No, God says if they're a deviant, if they are just trying to get their way to superimpose their will, they know what God says, but there's always a but. I call them Billy Goat Christians. Well, I know what the Bible says, but the culture, but I think it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what the culture is. When God says it, that's it. And I've told you over and over again, this bumper snicker that used to be all the time, it's it's sickening. Well, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. That's ridiculous. The Bible says it. God says it. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. That's settled in heaven. Forever his word is settled in the heaven. God wins. God is always right. We are not. 
And so a heretic, you warn them once, you warn them twice, that's it. Don't mess with them because you're not going to change them. They are caught up in their own self-will. The Bible even goes on to say, look at this. Reject a divisive man after the first and second admonition. Why would you say? Well, I think doesn't matter what you think. Well, I believe doesn't matter what you believe. God says, knowing that such a person, they're going to keep it up. They're warped. They're twisted. And they're sinning. And they're condemning themselves because they will not listen to biblical reason and rationale in God's word. This is very important. And pastors are the worst. Well, you know, I know what God says, but I just think we need to give him another chance. We'll just keep on. He'll cause division in the church. He'll try to get people on his side. He might not get you on something, but he'll sandbag. You see, he'll lay back until he finds just the right time, and then he'll pounce on you. You know why? Because he's warped. She's warped. They're sinning. They're self-condemned. Everybody knows it, but nobody wants to confront them. Listen. When you have a heretic in the church, you need to deal with them because they're going to cause trouble. And you say, well, we'll just move on. No, you can't move on. It's like a boil. It just festers and festers. Sooner or later, you've got to lance it or it'll destroy the whole body. It'll kill the body. And so these are words that God said, this is how you establish a church. Now, these are hard words, but they're not hard for the child of God who lives in obedience and filled with the Spirit. It's just part of life. And so Paul ends his letter to Titus in just saying, All who are with me greet you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be to you. Grace be with you. Amen. For On the Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.